Hello there. You're listening to the new Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. My name is Will Love, and I'm the girls' basketball coach in Sandpoint. I listen to a lot of podcasts that deal with coaching basketball. In states like Oregon and Minnesota, high school coaches are producing podcasts that are specific to the state they coach in. Partly because of my media background, partly out of my love for basketball, and partly out of boredom during the coronavirus shutdown, I decided to give podcasting about basketball a try for Idaho. The basic premise of this podcast is to talk about coaching high school basketball in Idaho. The intent is to grow my knowledge, and hopefully yours, of the game and help create community. If you're a basketball coach in Idaho, I would love to spotlight you. If you're interested in participating on a future episode of the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast, please contact me at idahobasketballcoachingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter. On today's podcast, we talk to coaches John Nacarado and Kent Lease. Okay, there's so many factors that play into a high school basketball team having success. Coaching, culture, and communications are obviously some of them. Today, we're joined by John Nacarado and Kent Lease. They're going to talk about several factors, including the role of assistant coaches, program identity and culture, player development, and communication with players, staff, and your administration. Coach Nock is the varsity assistant uh, for the Coeur d'Alene girls basketball team. Anybody that follows high school basketball in Idaho knows the success Coeur d'Alene had last decade, but the program had been down. That's changing with Coeur d'Alene probably one of the favorites to compete for a 5A title next year after making it to state this year. An article before the state tournament pointed out how the Coeur d'Alene players appreciate the relationship between, between Coach Nock and, Co- and head coach Nicole Simmons because uh, you both brought different characteristics to the gym. So I was just wondering, uh, Coach Nock, can you talk about how you guys work together and, and what you think the role of a, uh, an assistant coach is? Sure. Uh, this is the uh, third fourth uh, head coach that I was assistant coach for at Coeur d'Alene High School, and each one of them have brought, uh, the relationship's been a little bit different, but in this particular case, um, I think I was more, or I am more of the fundamentalist in the team, and uh, Nicole does a good job. She's the head coach for Coeur d'Alene Varsity Girls Basketball does a good job of the relationship side uh, with the girls. Uh, there's times during the season where I'm probably ready to grind it out a little bit more and and focus on areas of development where um, she's able to take that view, a little bit bigger uh, view of what needs to be done, like a dodgeball game that we had before we went into Lake City for the district title championship game. And uh, so what I've learned coaching under, being assistant coach under four different coaches is uh, each one of them is different. And each one of them, uh, my role is a little bit different depending on the circumstances, situation, and their personality. Um, And I really think I explained in a call at one point during the season We had a little three-game losing streak, and uh, I was emphasizing to the girls and to her that um, we never got too excited early in the season when we won six or seven games in a row, and we're not going to get too excited in the middle of the season when we lose three in a row. 
And I really think that that's kind of the role of your assistant coach is to be able to pull yourself back a little bit and help help look at things a little bit differently than uh, what the head coach is looking at. You talked a little bit about the, the different roles with the different head coaches that you've worked with. Is that something that you, as an assistant coach, would you like communicate that, or you kind of take a step back and see what's going going on, and then kind of kind of work your way in? Uh, I I've always made sure that the people that I uh, coached with, I could communicate with, and uh, when I first started working with Coach Lease, honestly, I was at his practices and. Some of the assistant coaches that were there with him, um, I didn't see them doing a lot of input, and not anything positive or negative towards them. It's just I'm a communicator, and that was one of the things I talked about with Coach Lisa. If I help you out, I want to be able to have input, and I want to be involved. And, uh, and he encouraged that from the get, and I think that really kind of set the – table because coach Lisa was the first one that I coached with at the at the varsity level and I just made that a priority moving forward I I wasn't going to take a assistant position if I wasn't comfortable with going and communicating Um, that's off-season stuff that's that's practice attitude practice personalities Um, I've always made it made sure that I was in an environment that I could communicate with the head coach, and they would, you know, if they choose not to listen, that's that's fine. That's ultimately it's their program. I'm there to help them be successful in their program. But um, all the guys I've worked with have been have been very receptive to open communication. Yeah, I think that's really really important. And I think uh, you know, as a as a new head coach, that's one of the things that I've been appreciative is I've got some uh, assistant coaches that that will speak their minds you know and then they also know okay when I make a decision that's that's the decision we're going to go with uh coach Lee you've had a few assistant coaches uh through the years so what were the characteristics that you found in in assistant coaches that that you really valued well you know I've been a head coach at four different places and um it's always uh a tough task to find good qualified assistant coaches. So I would probably base what the role of the assistant coach would be based on what kind of experience that that person has and what they bring to the program. You know, if you have uh, a couple assistant coaches that are, you know, maybe inexperienced or not as knowledgeable as you'd like, then you as the head coach have to have a bigger role and you have to coach the coaches up. Um, but I know, you know, a, a couple examples when coach Nakarado helped me out, um, you know, he's got a lot of experience in, um, man to man defense, uh, rebounding the basketball, um, being tough and disciplined and things like that. So that, those would be some things that I would, I would turn over to him and let him go with it. And I think I've mentioned to you before when I coached at Flathead High in Kalispell, I had an amazing assistant coach, Grady Bennett. He played um, quarterback for the Grizzlies for three years back in the early 90s, and he's the current head football coach at um, Glacier. And we had a good team my last few years at Flathead. We lost in the state championship in 2003, and one of the big reasons that we were able to get that far was that we had three different full-court presses 
And I feel a lot better coaching man-to-man defense um, in the half court, um, figuring out, you know, positioning rotations and things like that. But as the floor got bigger, I didn't think I was as good at it. And I told him, I said, hey, if – if you want to do that, we have to go. We have to go into the team room. We had a classroom, and you're gonna to have to explain to me on the whiteboard exactly what we're gonna do. And you got to know what's going on. And um, I'm not kidding when I say this. He would say, "I need 20 minutes at practice tomorrow. I need 15 minutes to to go over our one-two-one-one soft press." And I literally would leave the gym and go down and have a coke with the custodians, and I'd come back. And then we'd show up on Friday and Saturday night, and we'd look like a million bucks in our press. And I had nothing to do with it. And it was because I had a great assistant coach that could do that. Mike McLean at um, uh, Post Falls, he was he was the same. I could give him a lot of um, responsibility in practice and feel comfortable with it. Other times, you might have to play a bigger role. But um, – Another philosophy that I have with assistant coaches, and not everybody ag- agrees with me, is I want to find the best coaching staff that I can. I'm not um, worried about if they had more success than me, because that's been the case. Coach Nakarado is an awesome assistant coach. Um, also on our staff, Darren Taylor's won multiple state championships in uh, multiple sports in the Coeur d'Alene area. Um, we had a guy by the name of um, Coach Hughes that was the Los Angeles um, Times varsity basketball coach of the year one time back in the 80s or 90s, and he lives in Coeur d'Alene. He was on my staff. And it, it was fun to have have coaches like that to bounce ideas off. And um, then I would give them as big a role as they wanted. You know, Coach Nakarado wanted a big role. Mike McLean wanted a big role. Coach Hughes was more, he liked to be in the background and observe and then, uh, you know, pull me aside and say, hey, are we going to practice harder today? It looks like a dang country club out there, you know. You know, just little, you know, witty little observations like that. So uh, it varies, but I would like to have a lot of experience and then allow the coaches to coach, and I think they're going to want to come and help you out more in the off season. Agreed, agreed. Um so, uh, Coach Nakarado, you, you guys had a great, great season, including a win over my team. Uh, <laughs> but considering uh, how young your team was, what were the type of things that you had to do the last 12 months to, 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 to get that rise in the program? Well, I came in uh, late in the spring last year after, uh, after Nicole was hired, and we had some open gyms before we got into summer league. Um, kind of, we had to get an identity. I wasn't real familiar with the team's um, style of play. I, 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 there was a year or two in between the last time I coached the boys at CHS as an assistant and coming on with Nicole, and I, I kind of enjoyed my time off. I got back hunting and fishing and kind of doing some stuff that I like to do. So I didn't know a whole lot about the girls' team other than when I did go and watch them play, I knew they played hard, and I knew they played fast. So that alone excited me. Uh, Nicole ended up having to uh, take Maddie, her daughter, on a volleyball tournament. Maddie's a phenomenal athlete, as we all know. And she had some opportunities that they wanted to pursue for volleyball, and they were gone. Uh, 
So I got to coach the girls at the Gonzaga team camp on my own, which was a little bit intimidating, having never coached girls before and then not having Nicole there. But it was awesome. That was probably the best thing for me in terms of getting to to know the girls. But um, what I learned about that group was they're winners, and they hadn't won a lot prior to last year. Um, and And they were ready to put the work in. So it really started at the Gonzaga camp. You know, we only lost a couple games there. And um, we all know summer league wins and losses really doesn't matter. But it does when you're trying to teach a team how to win. And um, from then, we just we literally started grinding from June till season started with uh, work in the, in the gym and work in the weight room. Yeah, um, one of the things that uh, your team, if people haven't had the opportunity to watch them play, is just how 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 fast the pace that they play the, that they play at. You'd think that there was a shot clock in Idaho with that. So when you were um, kind of thinking about about how you were going to help out, what what were some of the thoughts that that came up, and how did how did you apply those uh, with 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 the team? For me, Coach Lee's uh, alluded to it earlier. I'm. Uh, especially at high school, I believe defense and rebounding, first and foremost. If, if you can defend, if you want to defend, everybody can defend. If you want to defend and commit to defending and rebounding the basketball, you're going to have an opportunity to win almost all your games, especially in high school. So that's really what I wanted to bring. I wanted to bring uh, a work ethic that um, we were not going to get outworked, Defensively, uh, I wanted to be the full length of the court the whole game, and then rebound. You know, uh, if you defend and you rebound, it sets the tone on the offensive end. There was one time, Coach, where in your game, you guys, we snuck out of here against you guys. You guys <laughs> had a hell of a game against us. But down the stretch, we got a rebound, popped it out. And you guys had closed the gap. We got a rebound, popped out, had a lay-in. And it was like that. I was like, man, if we didn't get that hoop right then, I don't know if the outcome of that game, if we still sneak out of here with the win. So, uh, you know, that mentality, I just wanted to give them that mentality of just going full bore the whole game. Coach, when uh, you've taken over – uh, new uh, or gone to different programs. What's been your approach as far as in- installing what what you want to do? Um, well, I think for me, it it just starts with um, a lot of intensity in the work ethic of uh, getting in the gym and working hard. And I think that um, starts with the head coach. If if the head coach doesn't show that. I don't think that um, your program's ever going to show it. Um, I've always thought that I'd most people would, if they evaluated my team, they'd say that we were probably better defensively than offensively, and you know we were always complimented with how hard we played. So that that would that's one of my philosophies was um, playing extremely hard, um, playing great defense. And trying to rebound the basketball to start with, and I think that's one of the reasons Coach Nakarado and I connected was that we have those same philosophies. Then offensively, I want I want it to be fun for the kids. 
so we're going to run if we can. Um, so my teams most of the time have ran and uh, hopefully played an entertaining style. Um, but that's that's my initial philosophy. Well, is, what are some of the what are some of the things that you would do? I guess drills or something like that that would would you would start off with um, in 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 doing this. Well, I, I I can't like remember back too far, but I remember when I coached at Cord Lane at Sandpoint, uh, we would start our practices with um, some individual work, um, in in a pretty quick amount of time we'd be playing one on one, and working on our one on one offensive skills and one of our and working on our off, our defensive skills. And my philosophy was the better I can make my players individually on offense, the tougher it's going to be to guard them. And so we would start with skill work, and then we'd segue into playing live one-on-one, whether it was half court or full court. And then we'd get into some transition drills where not playing hard, not running hard is just not an option. You know, that's you just have to do it. Um, I'm a big believer that High school basketball players, I, I haven't coached girls, so Coach Knocker, I, I, you could speak more than I can, but um, I, our athletes will do what we allow them to do. That's just what I've always found. My kids have always played hard, and people have said, well, how do you get your kids to play hard? And, I'm, and I would just say, well, that's just an expectation. That's just what we're going to do. They don't really have a choice. Um, so I do think it, a lot of it has to do with the energy and the intensity of the coach. Um, the type of drills you set up and, and try to make things as competitive as possible. I know Coach Nakarado is the same way. Um, yesterday I had a conversation with Mike McLean, the head coach at Post Falls, for about 30 minutes. I was down there visiting him. And it, it all comes back to making everything as competitive as possible. Um, having a winner and a loser, whether it's in an individual one-on-one session or whether you did a 10-minute full-court scrimmage and you're focusing on different things like that. And I think if you bring it every day, you set your practices up correctly and just make that an expectation that you play hard, I don't think it's that hard. But that's – I don't know if I answered your question. And I do have a a fun story to talk about Coach Knocker. I don't know about his intensity. Um. About a year ago, I had to uh, come over to Coeur d'Alene High uh, for an AAU basketball meeting, and uh, I didn't know that Coach Nakarado was there with the girls' basketball team. And um, when we got into CHS, all the lights were off, and we were like trying to figure out, like, what the heck are all the lights off for? And we came in the gym, and their team was practicing in the dark. So they didn't even – I mean, they couldn't get the lights on. There was something wrong with – the the lighting system. I don't know if new plastic credit card <laughs> keys were being um, um, distributed, but Coach Doc was there practicing in the dark. The show must go on, man. That's yeah. Hey, I, I, I'll say something about Coach Elise. He says an occasional uh, defensive drill. He got me started with one-on-one full court defensive he called an offensive drill it was defensive <laughs> from the beginning and i i employed that with the girls mm-hmm. and it makes a difference 
when you have to defend someone, now we cut the court in half, so it's really half court, but still, until they get to half court, they have to restart. You know, once they get to half court, then they're live. Then they can attack the hoop, the offensive player. But prior to half court, if they beat their defensive player, they stop. You get the DV. Because otherwise, you know, you get that first beat, it they're gone. Right. That is probably the best drill, trying to stay in the league in front of those, your, the girl you're supposed to defend or the boy you're supposed to defend. Full court is not easy. And you can't – I've coached with coaches that say, hey – we need to play full court man. And I said, we need to practice full court man <laughs> starting back in October and November. You can't do it come January. And, you know, and that's something that, uh, um, you know, when I came to Coeur d'Alene, uh, Mike McLean was my, he was my uh, assistant coach right away. And he was, he just came out of college. He had been out of college for a year. He played at Eastern Oregon, awesome player out there. And we would, talk a lot whether it was you know at my place his place on the phone on the bus and we were like really big into pressure defense and picking up full court and he's an awesome coach over at post walls he's won a couple state championships and if you ask him he will tell you that uh, he thinks probably one of the top things they do on a daily basis is they play one-on-one full court and it's um, nasty intense and there's consequences for the losers. And I just think it does so much for you uh, offensively as a ball handler, handling pressure, becoming a better defensive player. You get tired. You got to deal with the uh, the mental issues. And you got conditioning if you lose. So you got to be competitive. And uh, no, so you guys are getting me excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go out and coach. Um, so one of the things when – you know, I contacted uh, you guys about what you wanted to talk about. One thing that came up was toughness. And so, uh, Coach Nakarado, what, what's your definition of toughness? Has it changed since you started uh, coaching coaching girls? And then also, how would you inject traits like toughness and discipline into your program? What was the second part of that question? Uh, how, how, do you, uh, how do you inject traits? I mean, you've talked a little bit about it, but how do you inject traits like toughness and discipline into a program? Yeah, the definition of toughness. I, I, you know, I don't. I don't know. For me, it's. I kind of prefer the word grit too. It's. It's just. Um, you just got to outwork everybody that you know you're going to compete against. Um, and what I've learned in my own life is, I, I set these expectations. And then I meet them, and then I realize my expectations were too too low. And so I want to compete against everybody else that I know I'm going to compete against in a certain environment, but it really comes down to also training yourself to exceed your own expectations. And, uh, you know, I tell the, the girls that quite often. Your expectations should not exceed your effort. And um, they can see it. And, and you know, coaching with uh, Coach Nicole, she's every bit as intense as I am, if not more. So it was very easy to come in and um, and demand the girls to work harder. And we sent that message early, and we send it often. What was cool was at the end of the at the end of the year. Um, when the girls got interviewed after different games, 
they started sharing the same messages that we were giving to them. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, coaches barking at us. It was a matter they they were understanding and they were understanding what we were what we were demanding were hard, was hard, but um, they were winning. And yeah, you know, we uh, we did practice, and then two or three days a week we did conditioning after practice. Um, but I was raised with uh, old Italian farmer, rancher, logger, insurance owner, real estate. You know, he did it all, and uh, there was no other way than you just grind it out every day. Well, I, I remember the first big uh, commercial insurance policy I wrote. I called my dad and told him about it, and he said, that's great, son. What's in your pipeline? <laughs> that kind of that sums it up. You just you have to grind every day. Yeah. Uh, Co- Coach Lease. Can you teach that to a to a player though? You know, I know that um, that a lot of times it's circumstances, it's where you grow up. It has a lot to do with family and stuff like that. But uh, on the other hand, some kids aren't around that. Is that something that you can teach to a kid? Do you think? In my opinion, absolutely yes. I think every athlete that you're going to get is going to uh, probably on a scale be somewhere on a scale of one to ten. You know, in the you know, whatever you rate them as far as toughness, but I definitely think you can bring kids along and teach them to be more intense and more tough. And I think it has a lot to do with um, how you structure your practices and what you expect, and they will get, they'll get better at it. You know, there's always going to be some kids that already were pretty dang tough, and they're going to get tougher. And then there's going to be some kids that you wished were more tough and more intense, but they're going to get better each week, each month. Um, so yeah, I do think you can teach it. I I honestly do. Um, uh, my junior college coach was a huge influence on me. Um, Terry Olson at Williston state, he was the head coach there for like 25 years. He was just nasty, ruthless for two hours, uh, with our drills, our conditioning and our running, and I think he was, like, stunned we showed up the next day. He was like, what, geez, Lisa's back? He's not dead yet? Um, you know, we're just going to bring it again. And um, the prior, the year before I got there, I think they were 5-25. and 25. We won 12 games my freshman year and 20 my sophomore year. And we weren't that talented. We were okay. But we were tough and in shape, and we played defense, and re, re, we rebounded. And we were afraid of our coach. And I'm not saying you got to be afraid of your coach. I'm not saying that at all. But he was always in the back of my mind, like, I better make sure I play hard today or there's going to be some consequences. But um, So, yeah, I probably took too long answering your question. But I do think you can. And some kids will probably adapt better than others depending upon how they've been brought up. Absolutely. Coach Nakarado, your son is uh, just signed uh, to play the Div- Division II basketball. He was at North Idaho College. What are some things that you've done to kind of instill that toughness into into him to get him so that he can compete at that level? Well, Coach Lisa and I talked about this the other day when we were hiking. My kids never benefited from their dad being the coach. Um, 
I had an expectation that um, if I was frustrated at other kids or the team, my my boys and my daughter uh, probably received that frustration unfairly at times. Uh, my oldest boy, Tony, he played a year at NIC. He was on that team that uh, was undefeated. Um, and he really, he really probably, I kind of cut my teeth on Tony in terms of, that was the same time I was getting to coach at the varsity level, and um, they didn't have a choice. It, it just, uh, in fact, one time we came home, my wife said, well, here's the deal. Either you're done coaching or he's done playing, and he's not done playing. So I learned there that um, I needed to relax a little bit. But um, the boys, the boys outside of sports in individual life, we demanded that uh, they do the right things in terms of working right with us. And um, it's not to say kids, you know, I know my kids made mistakes <laughs> along the way. I'm not saying we they all are, have, right? aren't angels, but we just always, you know, I, I, we kept a wood stove in the house, and those boys went out and cut firewood with me for no other reason than I wanted them to learn that. We always made them, and if they wanted to play sports, they had to pull grades. We never compromised on that. And those are the little things. Those are the things that develop toughness all the way around. And it's funny, when Joey got recruited to play at UMass Lowell, the skill set they defined to me was that uh, he was a hard worker. And I didn't understand that. That's not a skill set. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's life. You know, but that was a skill set. He he understood the game, and he was a hard worker. So I, I guess the answer to the question is I never really intended to to instill toughness in him. I just did because that's the way I was raised. Okay. So how do you how do you communicate that though to a to a to a player? Uh, what are what are some things that you can say or some things that you can do to kind of say, hey, we need to get you up to here when it comes to tough, toughness. You know, I don't know if my players always like it, but I use, I'm a storyteller in the classroom and on the basketball court, and I would use examples of past players that I have with their work ethic and the types of things that they did to get where they're at, and uh, hopefully that um, helps a kid understand when they hear that over and over and over, and I would even tell them about things that I had to do. Like I, I remember one time in the fifth grade, my dad said, yeah, I'm taking you, you and your brother down to the newspaper and you guys are getting a uh, paper out. And I remember looking at my brother like, hey, <laughs> uh, were, were you in on this decision? No, we weren't. We delivered 110 newspapers in North Dakota weather for like four years. And you don't, you can't like go back to sleep at 530 in the morning, even though it's 13 below and the wind chills 59 below and those are the types of things that taught me to be tough is you got to get up and go and um so those are the types of things that really help in your background when, you, when you're growing up um that can help you be tougher and i think you can i think you can tell stories to kids and then you can also the way you design your practices and hopefully it's just a, a gradual day-by-day -day process you know, where your, where your kids get tougher. Like, even like when I think about, you know, Robbie Johnson, who played for me here at, at Sandpoint High. When I met Robbie, Robbie did not want to come in. He did not want to come in and practice. 
you know, football would get over and he'd be out in the parking lot, you know, talking to four or five girls and I'd, Hey, Rob, are you going to come in? Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll come in coach, you know? And then, you know, just after you just wear them down and, um, you build a relationship with them and you work with them. And then, you know, he was the, the four a player of the year up here in North Idaho by the time he left. And now he's playing college football down at college of Idaho. So I think you just have to, you have to take an interest in players, you know, tell them how you, how this could be done and, also create workouts and then just every single day in practice you know if practice is 90 minutes or two hours you have to bring it the entire time and uh if they're not tired and i'm not tired after practice i don't think i i did my job in getting kids to to toughen up i think i think coach lease brought a, a excellent point there and, and i missed it when i first started coaching was you have to have an interest in your players and you have to develop trust because once you get the trust established, then you, you, I'm always a straight shooter. But sometimes if a kid doesn't trust you and you're honest with them or a straight shooter, they don't want to hear it. Once you've established the trust and they realize that you're interested in them as a person and not just an athlete, and you tell them, you know, you got to get tougher, you're just not tough enough, then they're willing to put that work in. That was the message we sent to the girls coming out of Boise. We're not big, big enough, strong enough, fast enough yet. We look at those top three teams down in Boise. No way, not right now. That's what we're working on. And you know, COVID has changed that a little bit. Yeah, uh, you could see, you know, constantly talking to the girls about what are you doing. We rode out, rode out workouts for them. You know, not a lot of ball skill workouts, but push-ups, squats, shoulder shrugs, back press. You know, all the things that's going to make them bigger, stronger, faster. Because like I was explaining to my daughter, I'm trying to get that process in her now. When I played, you worked on ball handling and shooting. In fact, if you lifted, everybody said, oh, well, he'll throw your shot up. Well, now today's athletes, they got to be strong. They got to be agile. They've got to have that lateral speed and explosiveness. They've got to have ball handling. They've got to do shooting. I mean, these kids can't have a summer job because we ask so much of them. But if they're mentally tough enough to put the work in, they're going to be physically tough enough to do that. And that's they got to trust you first and foremost on that. So what are some of the things that you've done with this group that you're working with um, to gain that trust? What you know, Are there some specific things that you did to kind of Get to get to know the players. Well, having the season we hel- had helped, mm-hmm. and and Nicole is uh, she does a fabulous job of uh, doing the little things that are important. That's probably one of the things I've learned. She's intense. You know, she demands it. She has expectations. But for instance, like our end of the year banquet. I, the the amount of little things she did for those girls never even crossed my mind. But those are the things that the, the athletes realize. Um, that you care. That you care. For the guys, because when I coached, as usually my boys were playing, so I had a lot of those athletes around our house at different times. And so they got to know me personally. So that trust factor was a lot easier to develop. But um, but to be honest with you, what I've found is a lot of these guys, 
having an independent adult that they can talk to and you listen to them. You don't have to provide solutions to everything, but you're there and you're honest with them, then all of a sudden you get their trust. And that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I'm learning in coaching is, you know, it's, I'm competitive, I like to win, I want to get a state title, but when you have kids come back to you after they've been out of school two or three years and reach out to you and thank you for things you did in life you didn't even know you were doing, that's when you realize that you've earned that trust with them, that then you can start molding and shaping who their personality and what their personality is going to be. Yeah. yeah. I think taking an interest is huge. Um, there, I have about four or five of my former players I coached in the mid-'90s that 10 consecutive years we've met somewhere in the country for a big college football game. Um, but where it all started was – you know, I coached in Minnesota, and uh, the Chicago Bulls had a three-on-three tournament in Grant Park, literally in downtown in the heart of Chicago. And myself and my assistant coach, we did this two years in a row. We loaded up uh, a couple Suburbans, and we drove. Gosh, it had to be a eight-hour trip. We we drove like eight of our players to Chicago back-to-back years. And they were very successful playing street ball in downtown Chicago. And we we took them to some cool restaurants. And we uh, each year we went to Wrigley Field to watch the Cubs play. And, you know, those are the types of things that, you know, they start to feel comfortable around you. Um, and then when they do that, they'll play hard for you. They really they, they do, you know. Uh, I know people think I'm an intense person. Um, but I think the main reason that my kids play hard is because for the most part, most of my, I get along with them very well and have a relationship with them. And if you don't do that, you know, I I think you're going to have a hard time getting them to play hard for you all the time. I think that's a huge part of kids getting to play hard is, you know, what kind of relationship do you have with them? Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this kind of the last couple of days. I read an article um, about Pete Carroll, you know, and, and he talks about, you know, there's kind of two two things, probably more, but two things that you can kind of look at in, in coaching. And, and one of them is, like, are you an outcome-based program or are you a relationship-based program? And, you know, I think one of the things that I've been struggling with is that I th- I'm more relation. Uh, – I'm sorry, I'm more outcome-based I need to be, I think, a little more relationship-based, though, for us to kind of get over, over that hump that that we need to need to get to. And and so, um, you know, I think uh, I think you guys bring up some good good points. That one of the things that you know we want to win, right? We, we're competitive, but it's those relationships, it's those people contacting you years later, saying, "Hey, I didn't realize at the time, but now that lesson that you taught me that one night, like I I totally." Like, that's helped me out right now. Well, one thing that crosses my mind about the out, being outcome-based, um, I'm as competitive as you can possibly be, but I've never set a goal of winning a state championship, and I haven't won one. I've, I've had a chance to coach in a couple state championship games and been to 10 state tournaments, but sometimes I wonder if I haven't been enough outcome-based. <laughs> no, seriously, no, set I, that as a goal. Like, yeah. no. And, and I think that is maybe, you know, I think that is definitely something that Mike McLean at Post Falls has done. 
is like, yeah, that is what our goal is. Our goal isn't just, and my goal never was to just get to the state tournament. Once we got there, we wanted, you know, to win a state yeah, championship. Yeah, I know what you But it was never like, I never spent, wasted any mental energy worrying about getting a state championship. Maybe sometimes I think now, well, maybe I should have. Maybe that would have been the little extra of motivation I needed. But So I think you have to have a, a balance between the both. No, I, I agree with you, and that's one of the things that, uh, you know, why I've been kind of researching this, 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 this offseason is that, you know, we got, we got to state, and that was, that was our goal, you know, and we reached our goal. But now it's, it, it's kind of, okay, well, we got there, and we were able to win a game, but we lost two others, you know. So it was a successful season. We reached our goal, but, you know, if I would have said at the beginning of the season, our goal is to win a state title, you know, uh, would that have been a different outcome? Bonneville was really, really good. So, you know, I don't know that. And, and, cent- <laughs> and Century was really, really good too. So I don't know if that would have made a difference. But I think on the other hand, it has led me to kind of think about our goals. And, and you know, um, this year I, I told – or this uh, spring I've told the girls our, our goal is to win a state, a state title, whereas before it was we want to get to the state tournament and then – kind of take it from there, you know. So how about, I, how about I, you, John, yeah, with your I, girls coming up next year's? Yeah, I think I think you can do both. Mm-hmm. I really do. I you know, I I compare it to my kids and and my own personal kids. I'm like if you study and you study hard, you're gonna do well. And that probably means you're gonna do a work or A plus work. And that's been true to them. I think you can have relationships with your players, set realistic outcomes or goals, and attain those. I don't I don't know without I, I just don't understand how without relationships you can really be successful. I mean I, I think the days of old school coaching, like what we probably all grew up with, it's not going to work today. You're not going to come in and browbeat kids or, you know, put them down all the time and have them perform to a level where you're going to be really successful unless you just got some dynamite athletes and you can outplay everybody. Um, you know, and that's the difference between AAU and high school is at the high school level, we don't get to go recruit who we, who we get. Some would argue in Coeur d'Alene that might not be true, but uh, you're not supposed to. So you got to take what you get and you have to develop it. And as far as I know, the best way to develop it with today's youth is having some type of relationship and trust with them and moving forward from there. I think for us, one, not to get to state and be very competitive at state would be selling ourselves short. Why would we, why would we, you know, we still have to get through league. Yeah. We still have, you know, back up. I broke our season down into four sections and Nicole talked about that in the paper. You know, we had, uh, we had preseason stuff, which was all our non-league games. Then we had league games and then we had the district tournament and then we had state. And ultimately, the first three seasons don't really matter until till we hit that goal of getting to state. You can't get to state without winning the district championship or getting the second, mm-hmm. second seed in. But each one of them build on each other, and that's why they're important to take, 
take them for what they are. But for us, I think, you know, I think our goal should be to get to state. And I think our goal should be uh, to be very competitive at state and try to win a state title. But we have other hurdles we can't overlook either. Right. It's going to – North Idaho girls basketball this year is going to be difficult. Lake City's got everybody yeah. pretty much back. Post Falls has everybody pretty much back. You guys are very solid. Uh, Lewiston, I think, is going to be better. Lewiston's got that JV team at theirs. Yeah, they, they've got a lot of big athletic girls. Lakeland's got athletes there. Moscow grinds. I mean, everybody up here, and I think you're going to see the same on the boys' side of it too. But um, you're not going to be able to overlook anybody any night this coming season. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and um, you know, with, with us, with, with me saying to the girls, hey, we want to win a state title, it was also, but here's our path to getting there. Yeah. All right. And so we have to accomplish these things throughout the season. And it's kind of changed for us this year with the leagues, uh, right. 4A and 5A. Right. So, you know, right now, one of the things that is on our, on our roadmap is that we have to, we, we want to go 500 against the, against the 5As, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's some other things that we want to accomplish during that. But I think, uh, one of the things that that I've seen is that yeah, you want to have that that end goal, but you also want to give that path, that roadmap to how you're going to get there, so that we can look at things and kind of judge ourselves. Hey, did we accomplish this? Do we accomplish this? And so, if we don't get to that winning a state title, if we don't get to state, maybe there's some other things that we were able to accomplish 100%. and say, hey, we we did do these things this year. So, coach. Any thoughts? You know, one one thing real quick though that we can't forget too that we didn't name is Timberlake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're not five A or four A, but they'll give you everything you got and then a whole lot more. No, for sure, and they return pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be. You know, so. they're gonna be stout, yeah. real stout. Yeah, um, I do want to finish up with uh, one one last thing, and and, and how important is communi- good communication in the success of a program? And what what does that look like, Coach Lees? Well, I, I <clears throat> excuse me. I think communication between you and your players uh, is critical. And I think we we need to teach our kids how to communicate. That that might be something that um, you know I, I can even improve on. Just talking to them about, um, hey, uh, if we call you or email you or send you a text message about how to respond to that uh, so that everybody's on the same page, whether, you know, you're getting ready for a, um, uh, a summer tournament at West Valley or individual workouts or a team workout or things like that. I found that to be incredibly frustrating last year when I, I coached uh, an AAU team with some kids from uh, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Lakeland, and, and one kid from Liberty High was – uh, just the amount of disorganization at times with communication on um, when's practice, uh, who's going to be there, um, do we have a gym, um, how many guys are we going to have for the tournament in Seattle this weekend and things like that. So that's something that um, drives me nuts is when people don't communicate well with me. So I think that's something that's really critical. And then 
that's not even taking into account the kind of communication you need when you get on the floor. And uh, now you're taking a look at, you know, running your offense or, you know, getting back in transition on defense or, or, or things like that. So I, I think communication's critical. And I think uh, we probably all need to do a better job of assuming that, um, not assuming that all these athletes that we have um, are good at communicating. I think that's something we can do a better job at teaching. Well, I think you bring up a good point that when we talk about communication, there's so many different levels to it as well. You know, as a coach, we have to communicate with families. We have to communicate with players. We have to communicate with assistant coaches, with the administration, all those different things. And then, like you said, well, there's how do we communicate on the floor? Uh, how do we communicate uh, in our pregame talk, in our postgame talk, all that stuff? How do the how do the kids communicate with each other? What are some things that you've learned over the years about about what makes for good communication? Yeah, you kind of hit me at a at a bad time on this one because this, <laughs> I uh, I'm not a big technology guy, and you know, to communicate with the kids nowadays via text, mm. and it is hard to send out texts and not get a response. It for me, it's um, you used to teach your kids. You look the person in the eye, you shake their hand, you answer them, you. you and I kind of feel the same principles can apply to text. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get a text, just respond in some manner, you know, but that's not necessarily the level of communication that kids have in today's world. Uh, so I'm working on that part and trying to understand. It doesn't slow me down. I'm like, okay, you guys aren't going to respond to me. I'm still going to text you uh, because that is the way to reach them. Um, and when you talk to them in person, you know they're getting your information. So um, that's going to be something when we get back together, I am going to try to set that as common courtesy when someone communicates via social media, however we're doing it, that there's communication back. Um, but then I think that and the lack of response and, and the comfort level the kids have with that translates onto the court. It's hard to get kids to communicate on the court. And the only way I've learned to do it is you just, it has to be a point of emphasis in practice. And it just, you just cannot let up on it. You can't play good defense if you're not communicating. You can't transition on either end if you're not communicating. So it's a critical part, but it is a challenge right now. Even from the time when I coached with Coach Lease and my oldest boys crew to now, which you're talking, you know, five, six, seven years, there's a big difference. They just don't talk on the court. And so we, we make it a point in practice. You've, you've, you've got to – and there's some people, there's some players, I mean, even when they do communicate, you can't hear them. So, you know, we'll, you got to yell until we can hear you. Um, there was just a Ben Affleck movie. I can't oh, think yeah, of the title yeah, I know of what it. You're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and he was standing up at the top of the gym, making his point guard yell till he could hear him up there. And I totally related to that. Yeah, this is something I struggle with because um, when I played, in uh, I was lucky enough to play point guard in college for four years. I was that guy in the court that did not shut up. I was yapping at my team. I was yapping at the refs when I probably shouldn't have been. 
maybe yapping at the other team. And then if you've seen me coach now, I have a hard time to be quiet. So I have a hard time figuring out or understanding why other people aren't like me, you know, that are, you know, that will communicate and talk more. Um, and if I coach again, some things that I got to get better at are, you know, like not just relying on my communication with the players to get information to like um, their parents and things like that. Because if, if John's on my team and I tell John that, hey, we're practicing Saturday at 9 a.m., I expect John to know that we're practicing at 9 a.m. and to tell his mom and dad and whatever. And a lot of times that's not the case today. Mom and dad want to know beforehand and so I, I really struggle with all of that of, uh, you know, why are we struggling here? I, I told him when practice was, but we we're all confused. So that's something that I got to get better at, and I got to figure out some ways to make that go more smooth. Well, I think, you know, one of the thoughts that, that I had the last couple days when it comes to communication is that, you know, we love doing X's and O's and, and, and learning new stuff that way. But what if we took some of that time and just used it to create a communication system? I think, Coach Lee, you brought up a good point, is that kids don't know, you know, what's, what's right or wrong or what's rooted or what's, you know, uh, what's the right way to, to act or communicate. And, you know, I think uh, sometimes we can forget about that as coaches or maybe we want to spend more time on, on those X's and O's and stuff like that instead of putting together not just like our playbook but also our communication plan and what that's going to look like um so you know that's something that i've been thinking a lot about lately is you know like i said maybe spend a little less time you know spend that uh 60 minutes or 90 minutes that that I would use to watch uh, video, coaching video, and maybe spend that time to start to put together that communication. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea because um, running a team in the year 2020 is a lot different than it was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, Times have changed and we have to adapt. And if uh, more communication is needed and less assuming that our information is getting out, well, then we have to figure that out and it will not hurt us to spend a little bit less time worrying about what cute play we just are going to come up with, you know. Definitely. And, and the other thing that kind of got me thought, thinking about this was uh, Steve Kerr talking about talking to his bench players so that they're ready to go. And, and you know, I just thought about that is that, you know, th- again, how things are different. You know, I, I sat on the bench. I didn't think anything of it, you know, whereas now we know that if a kid sits on a bench and doesn't feel engaged or doesn't feel valued, then they're going to quit and you no longer have that person in, in your program. And, you know, I when Coach Kerr was talking about, hey, you know, I want to make sure that they're engaged. I, I I specifically go and talk to these these people and message, you know, have this message for them so that when their time comes, you know, they are engaged. They aren't sitting on the bench just saying, woe is me. They, you know, they, they, they feel like they're part of the program. Which I think, I think that ties back into, you know, our whole conversation in terms of toughness, mm. which you build off relationships, which you build off communication. You know, so those, they all tie in there together. And with today's coaching, you got to have that. 
because you you're just not gonna you're just not gonna run over a program anymore. It's not something that's that's accepted. So, uh, communications probably one of the most important things I think you can have with the kids to build everything else you need. I just want communication back from the kids. <laughs> exactly. Well, you guys, I really appreciate you coming in and, and uh, talking today. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'll have you on again. All right, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. If you're a basketball coach in Idaho, I'd love to talk to you. If you're interested in participating on a future episode of the podcast, please contact me at IdahoBasketballCoachingPodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.